Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. My name is Ken Edwards. I'm from the Midwest Coalition of Labor. Sitting to my left is Ed Maher from the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Ken. How are you? I'm good. How's, good. The, how's your Easter so far? You know, I was out of the house before the Easter bunny even came. It was an early morning. No uh, Easter egg hunt for you? No, I think I'm missing out on that one. Did you color Easter eggs? Not this year. Yeah, me neither. Speaking of Easter, you know that peeps are uh, union made? I did not know that, but they're made around, are they made uh, in Illinois? I don't know, Ed. I don't work for peeps. Okay, that's right. Did you ever put a peep in the microwave? All day, every <laughs> yeah, day. <laughs> peeps are like, you see them and it's like, oh, that looks so good. And then you take one bite and you're like, this is terrible. <laughs> well, you know what? We should support our union brothers and sisters and I'm going to buy a ton of peeps. Okay. You can buy them half off like tomorrow because tomorrow's the day after Easter. Ah, I see. Well, yeah. I don't celebrate Easter because I am of the Hebrew faith, if you will. Well, we can all celebrate something. So we had a big week in Chicago this week. Holy cow, was it ever a big week? Um, We had a mayoral election here in Chicago, for those of you that are listening out of state, and it was a nail-biter. It was. It was close uh, throughout the evening. I don't think they've counted all the mail-in ballots, but uh, when they started reporting, Vallis was up by four or five, Paul Vallis, and uh, by the end of the night, Brandon Johnson was the decisive victor and um you know valis had uh, called him to concede you know i wouldn't call it decisive i mean i think it was it was certainly not you know a blowout by any chance by any right means. i mean it, it was it was it was settled you know it wasn't yeah. one where you went to bet on election night and we right. weren't certain who'd uh, who'd right. won or lost so right. the the call um the concession call was made by by the end of the night but it was i mean it was uh, i think like a four or five point spread at the end of the night so it's not i didn't think it was that much i thought it was only a couple points yeah um but, you know, and, and for those of you that don't know, uh, both of these candidates are alleged Democrats. You know, Paul Vallis used to be a Republican. I think he switched, if I'm not mistaken. And Brandon Johnson is, is definitely, you know, a, a progressive Democrat. So it was a runoff between two Dems. And, um, you know, Paul Vallis, this is interesting, he was the superintendent of Chicago Public Schools. Like, he was the boss. Brandon Johnson uh works for the chicago teachers union uh which obviously backs him pretty hard right uh, you know as well they should um what i what i will tell you is disappointing is, is a couple things one is you know what the turnout was for the election i want to say it was in the 30s yeah it's like 35 percent. yeah i mean it's, it's like 65 percent of people in chicago not bothering to vote for their own mayor yeah, I think it, it always kind of surprises me about the um, the apathy toward voting and the well, you know, I, I'm I'm watching TV, I can't get out and vote or whatever because you know countries like China and Russia, you know, they they sort of laugh at Americans for a lot of things, but they do recognize that we have a system that they want. Like we can actually get out and vote and have our voice heard and yeah. actually make a difference. So, and in Illinois, of all places, I, I mean, they can't make it easier for you to vote. Right. Here. You can vote by mail. You can vote early in person. I mean, you can vote on election day. You can register up until election day. You can show I mean, up unregistered on election day and vote and vote at the, so, go to the county. So other states throughout the country are you know trying to make it really onerous to vote. And here we're the exact opposite and we're still getting 35 percent so right. you know so I, I don't know i i think that uh i don't particularly like that i think people really should get involved but you know that's my opinion okay um and then another thing brandon johnson was on 
you know, the radio, or I think maybe it was TV or CNN, and said that, you know, this this whole big issue about, you know, quote-unquote defunding the police or, or really not backfilling positions. And I do think you're going to see an exodus of police officers in Chicago. Yeah. They were uh, not pleased with, you know, the results, obviously. They had said so. And, you know, I, I empathize with them because, number one, it's an extremely dangerous job. Right. I mean, the, the police department in Chicago has been understaffed. I mean, like everybody, uh, you know, COVID slowed things down, but crime didn't slow down. Crime, you know, went up. So, um, you know, the, the, the burden on them was made even higher, but they were at their lowest staffing level for decades, as yeah. far as I understand. And so Brandon Johnson came out and basically said, you know, I, I'm, I think he said, I'm not going to actually fill those spots. And if people leave, I'm not going to fill those spots. What I am going to do is hire mental health professionals and try and get to the root of you know the problem of crime and maybe try and stop it early and i agree with that by the way i think that's a an excellent idea and i think we absolutely need that but i think it's an and kind of a situation I think that's where right, you need both it's, but why not do both right I, I just don't understand it like why not say hey we're going to hire you know a ton of mental health professionals we're going to send them out of the community we're going to try and stop it early you know we're going to be more involved etc cetera, etc cetera. and oh by the way we're also going to hire more police like i just think it's an, an like you said an and approach I don't think it's an either-or approach. I think that's short-sighted. So, you know, time will tell, and we'll see what happens, you know, to, to crime in, in Chicago, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, you know, the, the, the news for union members is the mayor of Chicago is a union organizer. So I think that, uh, you know, workers will have, uh, and organizers and people looking to expand the labor movement um, are likely to have an ally or at least an ear that understands. I think that's right. And I think you, that, you know, that, that, that can't be a bad thing, right? Absolutely not. I mean, an actual union staff organizer gets hired to be the mayor of, what, the third largest city in the country? Right. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. So, you know, congratulations, Brandon Johnson. Absolutely. Um, one more piece of quick local news, and that is, for those of you in Chicago, there is a club called Berlin. And I think it's like on Belmont Avenue, if I'm not mistaken. It has been around forever, really, really a long time. So the employees there decided to unionize. <laughs> I don't know a lot of clubs where they have union employees. Yeah, I mean, what, which employees? Like the door guys and the... I don't know, like, like the whole staff. But I mean, I, can you imagine like bargaining? Like, you know, it's going to be like, boom, boom, boom. Boom. We want just cause. We need to raise. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's interesting because like uh, I worked at a I worked at a bar in college for for four years and yeah. the the amount of turnover for staff I mean it was it was like a churn. Um, so to see the um, to see the amount of turnover with like a bar and nightclub staff and when do they when do they negotiate? I mean they, like they they're open till like four or five in the morning. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good just point. Sleep all day. Like I don't know. I, I want to be a fly on the wall for that negotiations. But kudos. To the employees of berlin i hope you guys uh do well and get your first contract yeah we have to get um we got phil davidson on hold he uh phil davidson is um our star guest show. host yeah and he fills in for us all the time and um he is from the mid america carpenters regional council mac rc as i like to say he's the communications director phil are you there i am here we got phil Good davidson morning, phil. on the line Good morning phil phil davidson um, hey, thanks for for coming on with us. Real quick, we wanted to talk to you. We, um, we, we said you are the communications director for MacRC, if you will, right? Correct. And um, you guys have a, a television show. We do. And what is it called? What's it called? The show is called Built to Last. And where, and where, it, where can you see it? 
Well, let me tell you, Ken. Thank you. It will be airing Saturdays and Sundays Okay. Uh, throughout our jurisdiction, which includes Chicago, St. Louis, Kansas City, all of Illinois, all of Missouri, all of Kansas, and parts of Iowa. The premiere episode will be, uh, we're, we're a day late for it because it, it, it's Saturday on WGN, but for our Chicago listening audience, it will be Saturdays at 10 a.m. on America's own WGN, our favorite television station. WGN has a t- they, they have a TV station? <laughs> I didn't. I thought it, it was only... second fiddle to radio, but yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we cast well, a big shadow. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I, I wish them well on that little venture, but <laughs> that's kind of cute. Yeah, that is cute. So it's on WGN, and it's on, it's on. Wait, it repeats itself Saturdays and Sundays. Sorry, it just in different parts of our jurisdiction, it airs on Sundays. I got it. We have so in Chicago. 11 di- yeah, Chicago Eleven Saturdays. Markets, but Chicago is Saturdays 9 a.m. Or excuse me, 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Saturdays. That's clear. On WGN. Saturdays, 10 o'clock on WGN TV. So I've I've seen this. This used to be... I got um, mixed up because WGN is Channel 9. That's why I said 9. But it's 10 a.m. Right. Channel 9. This show's been around for, for years, and it tells a lot of good stories about union members, what they do on the job, what they do in the communities, and kind of the value that it has in workers' lives, you know, in benefiting communities. So it's a great show. Um, so you've got my plug for sure. I'll be I'll be watching. Yeah, that's that's really. How is it? A hour, half hour? How long is it? It's a half hour show. There's four segments in each episode, uh-huh. and yeah, we cover the gamut from profiles of massive projects to profiles of union carpenters and contractors to uh, heart wrenching human interest stories. Right. Uh, in our in our episode that's airing today uh, in other markets, but yesterday in Chicago. There's a story about a um, a carpenter from Kansas City named Derek Weinmiller, and Derek is uh, is a hero. He was uh, a couple years ago. He was out at a convenience store in Kansas City, and as he was there shopping, there was an armed robbery, and uh, an assailant pointed a gun at the store owner. Derek intervened and got shot Ooh. eight times, Oof. and uh, it's been a long, long recovery for him, and um, he's in a wheelchair now. But we wanted to create an opportunity for him to continue working. So Derek is now the intake coordinator for all new apprentices in Kansas City. That's awesome. So yeah, that's great. He, he's, he's the first person you see when you walk into the office if you want to be a carpenter. Wow. And he, he obviously, he's a wealth of, of knowledge and information about the union. And it's just, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're so proud and thrilled that we're able to continue uh an opportunity and employment for him within the union and it's 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 such an incredible story how many corporations would do something like that for this guy right something that happened off the job you know hey you know bad luck overtook you or whatever but here's the union that is literally going to take this guy's back and provide an opportunity for him to work and actually add value to the union so you know it's it's once again uh you know a good point that you know here's here's a union taking care of its own right this is, this is what we do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's a family. It's, it's nice. Phil. It's good. Listen, um, thanks for coming on. We, we appreciate it. Everybody watch Built to Last. Yeah. Right. 10 o'clock Saturdays yes. on WGN TV. Absolutely. Yes. And uh, if I could just quick plug in all episodes, we'll stream on BuiltToLastTV.com. BuiltToLastTV.com. So yeah. If you missed this week's episode, just go on the, on the Internet and all of them will be streaming there. It doesn't interfere with our show, does it? 
It better not. No, yeah. no, Saturday. Okay, Saturday. Okay, Saturday. No, perfect yeah. There you go. Now it's 10 o'clock. So you get, right. up, you get up at yeah. 8 o'clock. You yeah, listen baby. to us on the radio. Yeah. 9 o'clock, you go over and to YouTube and you watch us on the YouTube stream. Yeah. And then you get about 15, 20 minutes to make some coffee, have breakfast, hang out with your family, whatever it is that you like then to do. Then you go watch. Built and then you watch Built to Last. I love it. And after that, whatever. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Hey, Phil, thank you so much. All right. You guys be good. Thank you. Take care, Phil. You have been listening to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. We will be right back. You're listening to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken. This is Ed. Um, there's There's been a ton of news uh, over this last week, but I think several items that are of interest to every worker right. in in america um and, and the first one being and, and you're going to think like what does this have to do with workers but we're going to explain oh, it, it to you yeah. it has a lot to does do it with ever. it and that, that is the supreme court uh justice clarence thomas right right and what did he what did he get accused of doing so thursday um it's long been reported that he's got very close ties with uh, Republican political donors. Uh, Clarence Thomas is well known to be one of the most conservative justices, if not the most conservative justice Ever. on the Supreme Court. Ever. Um, but he's got very close ties and spends a lot of time networking with you know, Republican donors, which has been an issue for a lot of people for many years. But on Thursday, ProPublica um, journalists put out a report that sort of detailed what some of this looks like. And that is that you know every year, him and his wife are taking vacations at the expense of one real estate um Man, um, Tra- Harlan, Harlan Crow. Harlan right? Crow. He's the uh, he's a, the son of a real estate investor, um, and uh, so just in 2019, they showed one trip, and uh, Clarence Thomas and his wife Ginny hopped on Crow's private jet and flew to Indonesia, and then jumped on his 165 foot yacht and did island hopping for nine days across Indonesia, and then flew back on the jet. So basically, the cost of this vacation would be around a half a million dollars. And uh, did he report any of that? No, no. And and that that brings sort of another piece of this is uh, if you're a congressperson, if you're if you work, for, you know, if you're a state representative, and you take any items, if you take money, if you take anything from from donors, you have to report that. And right. and it's a good thing because voters have a right to know if they're electing someone, if that person's being influenced. So. Sure. While that's been done with you know presidents and Congress, everybody has to state their uh, financial interests and disclosures. Uh, it's never been done. The Supreme Court has always kind of gotten a pass on that, and for a long time, the question has been asked why that is. And now I think um, you know this is this is really urgent because um, there are other groups that have been linked to Clarence Thomas uh, specifically with him traveling to homes and you know, retreats and hanging out with other conservative donors and stuff like that. And it just stinks. Like it doesn't, it doesn't look right. It doesn't pass the smell test for sure. And it it shouldn't. Um, But when Clarence Thomas and when the, uh, when the court has been sort of the supreme body of the U S government. And what I mean by that is every branch has checks and balances, right? And that's the way that the government was, was built by the founding fathers, but the Supreme court in the last few years, has sort of dominated the other branches. And what I mean by that is um, legislators, if they pass a law in Congress, the Supreme Court can veto that. They can declare it unconstitutional for right. you know whatever reason they can 
come up with to agree. If the president comes out with an executive order, like, say, repaying student debt or forgiving student debt, which is before the Supreme Court now, they can come down and they can say that it's unconstitutional, which they did several times with Trump, which they've done several times with Biden, um, and even the Supreme Court over the Supreme Court, because... You know, Supreme Court tradition, there's um, you know, stare decisis. It basically means if there is a, a, a case or an issue that's been dealt with and solved by the Supreme Court in the past, they have an obligation to try to, to try to keep that in place or to start from where, a place where, where... Where it makes sense, right? right? So obviously, you know, some laws that, you know, uh, gave, you know, minorities less of a vote or less of a person, you know, of course, those should be overturned right. as times change. But things that are relatively new or, you know, what the what's in the collective conscience, and I'm talking about abortion right now, you know, that has no reason to be overturned. Literally, no. It's not like the country just went and said, hey, uh, we're completely anti-abortion right now. You had a vocal minority that says we're anti-abortion, lobbying, 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 mm-hmm. right? But it's not like the country as a whole, and we're going to get into this in, in Wisconsin in a second, uh, decided that, hey, we really think that abortion should be illegal. And the Supreme Court went out of their way to overturn it. As a matter of fact, one of the things that they relied upon was, of course, the Janus case, which I'm going to talk about in a second as well, that made all public employees right to work. Right. I mean, so this this is, uh, in the last few years, the blockbuster cases are abortion. There are, are cases with workers' rights, and that's where this applies to workers. Yeah. Is the amount of Supreme Court precedent that's been overturned along party lines has been concerning to uh, you know judicial scholars who say that when something um, really big is that close, where all the Republican appointees are for it, all the Democrat appointees are against it, or vice versa, um, you know it's it's best to try to find some sort of a compromise because the the judicial branch is always supposed to be a little bit more deliberative. They're not supposed to make policy. They're supposed to keep things constitutional, but they're not supposed to use the court to dictate policy. And that's what's happening. And quite frankly, that's what's been happening for quite some time right now. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it kind of started in the Reagan eras, and it's been a long, long process that have been pushed by these conservative right-wing groups to kind of get the court system to lean conservative. The courts should be... Look, and Justice Thomas's wife was at the Capitol on January sixth. Like she's she was out there in that whole thing. She's she's in think tanks that are this guy who's flying them around the country is donating money to her think tanks. Absolutely. But look, a a court. Imagine. Let's just let's just get it down to basic. You know, here you go to court and you have a, a you know a speeding ticket and the judge looks at you and says are you republican or democrat right oh you're a dem i happen to be a republican you lose yeah or the the, <laughs> right? co- the cop who gave you the ticket you know cooked me dinner last night so he, <laughs> yeah. he's my neighbor so you're out of luck pal yeah but it's just we, it's it's, it's, a, it's an appearance of impropriety yeah. number, number one but let's now look well, we've got to take a quick break. Oh, we do. But let's come back after the break and talk a little bit more about this because this is a big issue. I don't want to. I don't want to take a break. I know. I know you don't like to take breaks, but they, you know, we have to. All right. So anyhow, we'll be back. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute, right here on seven twenty WGN. You're listening to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everybody, to the Workers' Mic here on 720 WGN. I'm Ed, sitting with Ken Edwards. And, uh, Ken, you were on a roll. I was on a roll, and you cut me off. I uh, you know. The sponsors, okay. the sponsors yeah. need to be heard, my friend. Well, people got to get paid. Yeah. So, he- here, we just talked about this, you know, 
mess of, of a situation that's going on in the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court has become an actual branch of government now. Right. right? It was supposed to be one of the checks and balances. It's literally now, it might as well just uh, you know write its own laws because it literally is. It's the law of the land. There's nobody higher. Nobody oversees it. There's no term limits, right? You, you're appointed for life. Well, the check on the Supreme Court, I think, is impeachment. Um, but and- I think even impeachment doesn't necessarily mean you get ousted. You can be impeached. Like Trump was impeached twice, he wasn't ousted. Well, impeachment is just starting a uh, starting a trial, and if there's, uh, I don't, know, I know a little bit more about how it relates to presidents because we've been through that so much recently. Yeah. But if he's um, found guilty, right? You know, can they remove him from the court? I don't know that, that well, anybody's ever tried this. Well, the question is, um, what what is he guilty of? Because the the Supreme Court is supposed to Supreme Court justices are supposed to file. Um, you know, financial disclosures. Yeah, on anything that they get yes. that's worth more than I think four hundred dollars that could even look like right. an abuse of government. Right. And for twenty years, at least from just this one donor, um, Harlan Crow, and I'm sure it's not the only one, but um, but Justice Thomas has been getting this stuff and not reporting any of it. So it stinks, and people have to get a closer look. And I'm not just talking about. Um, Justice Thomas here. I'm, I'm not just talking about conservative appointed justices. I'm talking about all of them. Like, how in the world is the Supreme Court, which has all this power yeah. and has been wielding more and more and more power, how are they not held to the same uh, degree of transparency with, you know, telling people who is sending them on vacation and who is buying their dinners and who's donating? And I mean, not, this like, guy Crow yeah. paid for a monument to Clarence Thomas's eighth grade teacher. Like, what? yeah, like it's just whatever, whatever Thomas wants. It seems like this guy Crow is, uh, I see, is paying I, I, for it. And I, I, I'm going to tie this to workers in a second, but I, I got to tell you this. I, I, I literally heard this yesterday. Clarence Thomas getting interviewed, I don't know, 10 years ago. And he said, you know, I, I come from a humble background. I prefer the Walmart parking lots of the world. Right. I'm not big oh, on yeah. fancy vacations and yeah. blah, 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 blah. Well, he must have changed his mind or he maybe he was actually lying because I think he was actually taking these trips while he said for sure he was he wants to hang out at a walmart when's the last time you saw clarence thomas hanging out a walmart parking lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? clarence thomas doesn't look like yeah, a very fun guy if that's for sure he's also known not to say anything on the court yeah and now i know why he's not saying anything he's already made his mind up <laughs> You're right. i think he went 10 years without asking a question a single question because he's dreaming about these vacations but anyway so listen <laughs> this guy harlan crow right you're like oh so what's the big deal is some you know you know some billionaire is taking this guy on vacation and he didn't disclose it well it's a big deal not to disclose it number two where does harlan what what, what is who's harlan crow right and it took me five seconds last night yeah. to, to google and go oh harlan crow he sits on various conservative think tank boards that what do they do they file amicus briefs they lobby the supreme court they lobby congress and they lobby for right-wing you know policies some of right-wing policies everybody happen to be the destruction of unions, right? And he sits on a board. He sits on a board for twenty five years. Uh, something called the American Enterprise Institute. That's what it is. Yeah. AEI, American Enterprise Institute. He, he sat there for twenty five years. Look on the American Enterprise Institute. Very first thing I saw was, are public sector unions constitutional? Yeah. And of course, the answer was no. So here is an, a guy that's sitting on a, a think tank on the board, and I'm assuming giving money, and they're writing op-ed pieces and white papers and amicus briefs to say that public sector unions, and I'm talking to you cops and firefighters and teachers and Brandon Johnson, telling you that your union should not be allowed to exist. Yeah, and that's the guy that's taking Clarence Thomas, right. who, by the way, 
also decided against unions in the Janus case, right. which made all public employees right to work. And what do you think the next step is? It's going to be outlawing public unions, and then, of course, at some point, trying to destroy private sector but, and, unions. And beyond that, I mean, to, for all workers, uh, he was one of the architects of a decision um, a few years back that basically said that an employer can send out an email that says, um, hey, uh, this is an email saying that from now on, if you want to sue the company, you can't. You have to go to binding arbitration, which, right. of course, favors the company. And if you continue to sit in your chair and work today, that will be uh, determined as you agreeing to this. Like, if you want to, if you disagree with this, yeah. get up and leave. But if you continue working today, you have agreed to this. I and, mean, Clarence, and that was, and Clarence Thomas obviously is a man of the people because he hangs out in Walmart parking lots. That's house. what I heard. Oh, oh no, that's I'm sorry. No, he goes on he goes on multi million dollar vacations with yachts and servants and. And you know, yeah, it's unbelievable. He, and, and sitting at lodges, I mean, there's there's paintings of him with these other think tank people sitting at male only retreats, smoking cigars out in the woods. But I think the question that you the the headline that you said it was are public sector unions un, or constitutional? Un, un, unconstitutional. I think that's probably the question that Clarence Thomas is calling the American Enterprise Institute asking them. You know, right? Like, and hey, saying, can you bring this case? Can you get this case before right. me? Don't tell me by the way when they're sitting around yucking it up and smoking cigars and been doing this for twenty years. Do not tell yeah. me that policy discussions have not arisen. Well, what are they? What are they doing? Are they, that's, are they talking about sports for twenty years? That's a very good. That's a good point. And Harlan Crow touched on that. Yeah. In a statement from his publicist, he said, uh, you know, I've never asked him, you know, about a case that hasn't been decided or I've never. And I, I to my knowledge, nobody that I've brought on these retreats has ever done that either. You don't have and to ask him about a case. That, you know, first of all, you don't even have to ask him. About yeah. I've never asked him about a pending case. But for 20 years, I pounded into him that uh, I'm anti-abortion. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, pro-life. I hate unions. Whatever yeah. whatever it yeah. is that your agenda is, don't tell me that that doesn't bleed through because, of course, it does. Yeah. I mean, every summer. His uh, Thomas and his wife spend at least a week in uh, Crow's um, mansion in the Adirondacks in upstate New York. Or is it New York? Yeah, yeah, it's upstate New York. York. And that's every summer. So you think, like, if he doesn't do his job in one Supreme Court term, maybe Crow's like, hey, listen, it's booked this summer. So he's got to keep his room, you know, open over there for him and his wife. Like pay pay to play. Yeah, I think his wife has proven that when she gets upset about something, she'll just storm the Capitol. (laughs) So, um, you know, she might storm the house if he doesn't get her to the place up in the Adirondacks. Clarence, get out of the bathroom. I need to talk to you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he just sits there doesn't say anything. I got to go. I mean, Harlan, I'm not... I'm done, I'm done talking to you, yeah. Clarence. You get over here right now. I got to go to work. Ride me. Can I get a ride to the Capitol? Yeah. Aren't you going that way anyway? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Hey, listen, Clarence Thomas, do us a favor. Resign. Just resign. Yeah, just resign. As and, if and you Supreme didn't Court, have institute some institute some rules. And hey, Biden and company, yeah. institute term limits. Okay, come on. Let, let, let's take the Supreme Court back and let's make it what it should be, which is completely bipartisan, yeah. non-political, an actual check on the authority of government and decide cases on their merits. Don't decide them on politics. You know, yeah. en- enough of this. Right? I'm sick well, the, of this. The Senate has come out and said that they are going to try to put together some guidelines on ethics reforms for the Supreme yeah. Court. Now the House is. Uh, I mean, that's, I mean that's probably going to pass, right? Because the House is. You well, know, the, yeah. The, oh so, no, it's so not. So let me pass. just say this. I yeah. mean, Kevin McCarthy is the Speaker of the House. He's a Republican. Uh, Clarence Thomas was uh, appointed by a Republican and sure. is generally conservative. So what's the likelihood that the House is going to do anything? Slim to none, and Slim just left town. But if it was a left-leaning justice, what's the likelihood that you'd have uh, you know MTG and Lauren Boebert losing their minds on Twitter about this? But. This is something that I mean. Everyone MTG. has to agree. Oh, that that's Marjorie well, that, Taylor oh, Greene, that, that whack job. Yeah, yeah. But 
Um, so across the board, no matter who it is on the Supreme Court, no matter who appointed them, which way they lean, it's common sense that everybody has a right to know who's buying their lunch. If you're a union official, Ed, I mean, there was a time when it was so draconian that if you were a union official... I think it's $25. You, it used you, to be 25 now it's like 200 But if you took, like, literally, like, somebody took you out to lunch and paid 30 bucks for your lunch, you'd have to report that. Yeah, that was and if you didn't, to the federal if government. If you didn't, you know what happens? Yeah. You go to jail. Right. You literally go to jail. And what happens to this guy? Nothing. Nothing. Zero. And he'll sit there and grin and say, I didn't break any laws. Because he has a lifetime appointment. Imagine yeah, that. It's like Judge Dredd. I am the law. <laughs> Remember that? Judge, jury, and executioner. <laughs> yeah. Judge Dredd. Well, here it is. The workers' mic is officially calling for Clarence Thomas to step down. And, and uh, listen, Clarence, millions of our listeners are probably going to be calling you. Yeah. Um, so get ready. Yeah. Don't storm the Capitol or anything, listeners. No, no, no. Not that, it's, not it's, that you would. We love well, it's the not the Capitol because it's the Supreme Court building. Right. Right, if you're going to go someplace. I don't think they even have a fence. Ooh. Really? Yeah, that's not a signal. <laughs> that's not a, a dog whistle. <laughs> Moving right along. Yeah. Say, so, we've got to take a break, Ken. Oh, we do. We yeah. do have to take a break, and then we're going to come back, and then we're going to talk about Another Supreme Court, but this time a state Supreme Court. So Big news in Wisconsin. Huge news. Yeah. So stay tuned. You're listening to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. Ken Edwards with the Midwest Coalition of Labor, Ed Maher with the Operating Engineers Local 150. Forgot to mention also that if you miss the show um, or you want to uh, watch it, uh, we have a YouTube channel, right? So it's just, uh, what do you do? Just go on YouTube and type in Worker's Mic? The Worker's Mic. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I would like to say this to those of you that uh, have been kind enough to comment um, on all our social media. We really appreciate it. I've gotten some really yeah. nice comments. That, yeah, keep them coming. Yeah, absolutely. If something you want, let us know. We left off and we were talking about you know this nightmare of a uh, of, uh, United States Supreme Court and what's going on at the moment. Now, let's talk about some good news. The inverse. Yes, yes. (laughs) We're literally going to talk about Wisconsin. They had an election for their Supreme Court. Right. One person was going to make up the... the, We're going to decide the the balance of... The balance of, quote-unquote, power or leaning, right? right? Uh, Republican or Democrat, liberal or conservative, and it was was literally um, the most expensive Supreme Court race in the history of the United States. While we were watching the... um, you know, the mayoral race here in Chicago, Yeah, they had a $40 million Supreme Court seat in Wisconsin that they've been fighting for months. Um, and, and I think the reason for this is because Wisconsin has been locked down uh, for, I mean, at least the last 15 years that I can remember with uh, conservative policies that don't match the makeup of the state. Wisconsin is the birthplace of public sector unionism. Right. And, I, and, I mean, and public sector unions are essentially outlawed there. <laughs> yeah, um, that's right, right. It's, it's certainly not something that the constituents wanted. Right. And a lot of these policies um, have been the product of gerrymandering, which is the creative drawing of districts to make sure that, you know, a minority is, is kind of put in the majority. Yep. Um, and so the solution to that usually is to, and many states have, have gone to their Supreme Courts to fight, uh, you know, for redistricting. When yep. they say that the, the districts are gerrymandered and they've got to be fixed to be more representative of the actual population. Because districts, basically, you vote in a district and that counts how many votes, you know, the your candidate gets and, and that's what elects your elected officials. So right. when it's gerrymandered and you 
see these weird, crazy maps and crazy lines all over the place to literally go by basically race, age, and gender. Yeah. Um, that's called gerrymandering. Right. And, and Supreme Courts across the country yeah. have struck it down in other places. Like I think uh, Pennsylvania had something, I want to say, maybe uh, one of the Carolinas a few years back. And they've tried it in Wisconsin, but with a very conservative majority on the Supreme Court, it's never gotten any legs. So this changes that. And, you know, we, we talk about Illinois where if something is um, something is troubling for workers, let's try to push a law. And you almost take for granted that that's, that's easy. That's a luxury that we have. In Wisconsin, they don't have any ability to pass a law because the districts have been stacked, uh, the legislature has been stacked, and even if something got through, the Supreme Court would hear a case and probably strike it down. But this is a, the beginning of a whole new chapter for Wisconsin because things like, um, you know, things like abortion, things like uh, Act 10, uh, the, the, the crushing, you know, repeal of right to work, repeal of prevailing wage laws, all of these things have been put in place. And workers have no recourse in the legislature, in the court systems. Uh, but now that the Supreme Court has changed, they can start to take a look at these gerrymandered districts. And if the redistricting is done, that could be the potential for a whole new makeup of the state legislature and an opportunity to come back from all this in Wisconsin. And, and by the way, it, it wasn't like the election here in Chicago, which was like a one or two or three point you know, spread. Right. It, it was 10 yeah, plus. Yeah, 55-45. I mean, that's a drubbing. For sure. For yeah. uh, Janet Protasiewicz. Janet P., I call her. <laughs> Jan P.? <laughs> Protasiewicz. Protasiewicz. I don't know. What, uh, Janet call, P., we you, love you. You call her. Uh, Go get him, Janet P. Ma- Madam Judge. That's right. Your Honorable Janet. Um, but, yeah, so let me ask you this. Then, uh, Aren't we saying that the opposite of what we just said regarding the Supreme Court? What do you mean? Well, we're complaining about the Supreme Court stacked with conservatives, and you know we're angry about that. And now, no, I mean, I don't think we're angry about. It. I think I think the the fact of the matter is, I mean, these these justices are elected by the people. Yeah. Um, but gerrymandering is an unfair manipulation of the system. So. If that can be undone, then at least you return the power to the legislature to, to do. And I mean, we're not talking about money here. There's no uh, suggestion that either of these candidates have been, you know, getting flown around on private jets. So good. I want to get that out because I've heard this from people, you know, you know, friends. And say, oh, you're you're you only care about this when it doesn't go your way. And, you know, you're one sided. And, you know, don't most people only care about things when they don't go their way. You don't see people protesting out in front of the Capitol saying, like, this is great. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Yeah, it's a good. Everything point. is fine. Everything is fine. Everything is wonderful, or was it something like that from that Lego movie? Everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I got yeah. it in my head. <laughs> so, but anyway, so kudos to Wisconsin, and yeah. hopefully, then you know. And here is some um, here's free legal advice from uh, the workers, Mike, and that is, hey, Wisconsin, take a case up to the Supreme Court. And try and overturn Act 10, because I firmly believe that Act 10 is unconstitutional. It is uh, an unconstitutional inhibition on your free speech. Take that case and try and overturn at least parts of Act 10. Right. That's what I would do. be first on the agenda. Speaking of which, Michigan, right to work is done. Prevailing wage is back. Check off uh, for, you know, union dues are back. And I think it all takes, uh, in effect, 
next year. Yeah. But I mean, this is you talking the mid, about the Midwest a, is coming back for workers. Well, it's interesting, right? So this happens in Wisconsin, and uh, you know, right to work is done in Michigan, and now maybe maybe we're not an island anymore right. here in Illinois, right? Maybe you know some things are turning around, and I think you know going back to talking about the collective conscience, I think you're seeing with all the union organizing and all the you know all of a sudden there's Senate hearings and the grilling you know Starbucks CEO and right. we'll get into that too. You know, you're, you're seeing a sea change, I think of um, people that are starting to value workers and unions and collective bargaining. And I'm telling you, Republicans, you know, heed this call because, you know, if you go up against the working class, which we showed right here in, in Illinois with the Workers' Rights Amendment, in deep red Illinois, they still voted in favor of the workers. Right. So going up against workers, I think, you know, or trying to crush workers or, you know, unions is a mistake. Right. Yeah, it's not, it's it's bad policy, bad politics. Um, which, by the way, in Florida, they just, you know, trotted out a couple of bills to make it more difficult to join a union again. I mean, it's interesting in Florida because it seems like um, DeSantis is trying to just make himself out to be as far right as possible. But, and he's telling people this, like, by passing all these laws, if he doesn't run for president or if he doesn't become president or if this whole thing just fizzles out, those laws are still laws. So Florida's, right. Florida's being... Um, sort of collateral damage in a, in a national political fight here. <laughs> they, they call it the freest state in the, in the country. Yeah, where, really where wokeness comes to die. <laughs> yeah. Where, where the drummer from Def Leppard gets beat up on the street. That's, oh, that, yeah. that's you know? terrible. Well, I'm not saying it's good. That's no, just wonder, that, no, no wonder a 5,000-mile uh, seaweed blob is coming their way. It's karma. That's exactly right. <laughs> it's a big blob of karma. <laughs> I also read an article, Ed, that um, the building trades, construction, is having a terrible time filling jobs. That there are more jobs open in construction now than there ever have been, and the infrastructure bill is basically sitting on the shelf because people can't get uh, projects off the ground because they the construction not not just unions construction companies can't get workers. Well, I think uh, particularly in some of these new energy fields like solar uh, things like that, they're trying to bring solar farms to uh, places like uh, the Appalachians where you have uh, displaced coal miners sure. who are out of work. And they're right. trying to sort of bring those people into the fold on jobs like that. Um, but a lot of the, the new energy funding, there hasn't been um, a long enough period of time to provide training and build a workforce That's for right. solar farms. So right. they're having to scramble and put that together. But yeah, I mean, we've, we've talked for, for many years that there's not enough investment in infrastructure. And when it finally comes, it's going to take a little bit of time to, uh, to bring the workforce to, uh, to match it. But we've got to wrap up for today. Wow, but, that was fast. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. It's always a pleasure talking to you every Sunday. So yeah. uh, come back next Sunday. We'll be back right here with the Workers' Mic on 720 WGN. The preceding episode of the Workers' Mic was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of the Workers' Mic, visit WGNRadio.com.